Hey, would you? Uh, God, thank you so much that though uh, the world would try and tell us who we are, though our own flesh, God, would lie to us, would deceive us, and try and tell us who we are, though the very present and real evil one would try and cause us to doubt who we are. Our identity doesn't come from any of those things, not even ourselves, God. Our identity comes from who you say we are. And God, I thank you so much for grace that reached out to us long before we were confident or even clear on our identity. Thank you, as we read earlier, that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. It wasn't about getting our acts together and presentable so that somehow we had the privilege of coming before you while we were still broken, while we were still lost, while we were still far from you. Through your Son, you came to us. So on this communion Sunday, God, we recognize Jesus. On this sacramental day, God, we remember what he did for us. Oh, God. We are sinners and we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we call today on the name of Jesus by which we are saved. We remember his body, God, that was given for us, that became flesh, that walked among us and ultimately died in our place so that we might have life. With you. God, we remember today the blood of Christ, which cleanses us. His life was in the blood, and, and that blood cleanses us, not of some, but of all unrighteousness. So thank you. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, help us as we'll see in Colossians, God, to just take off all those dirty clothes, all those garments that have become stained by the world. Help us to put on our new identity like clothing, God, so that all who see us would see Jesus, so that many would come to know him because of the way We live our lives because of the way we interact in our homes, in our workplace, in our community. God, we love you. God, we're so grateful that you've met us where we are. You give us everything we need for life. You even give us words when words won't come. So together we offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oftentimes when we're praying and the residential communities that I minister to, we just break into song at the end of that, and I just felt like doing that here. For thine, don't leave me hanging, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Would you open up uh, your scriptures, however you access those? I didn't mean to do this, but because uh, it came out so powerfully in the worship earlier, I just want to accent one of our favorite memory verses. Um, Go to Isaiah for a second, 43. In your notes, you'll see um, probably five or six passages that will enable you to go deeper this week into our conversation about uh, about Christ in the workplace today, this Labor Day. I want to talk about how do we represent Jesus in the workplace. But, but first, let's go back for a second and look at Isaiah 43.1. And we're actually going to take it. We have some uh, guests in our, in our um, midst here from our, um, our fourth day community here, EK and Carolyn. It's so good to have you with us. This verse is a key verse for for the fourth day as well, um, Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Right? Isn't that beautiful? But I want to note here again this morning that he continues, right? When you pass through the waters, oh my goodness, the visuals in my mind are just incredible, even over this last week, right, of the waters, right? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And he changes imagery. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame will not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God. God says through Isaiah, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The very Word of God. Thank you, God, for so much for your Word. Turn with me, would you, to now. I, I just confused Kristen. Are we, are we jumping ahead? Um, but... Our, our verse for today about the relationship between employees and employers, about the relationship between bond servants and masters, also comes from the book of Colossians. So we are in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 22. Now we're going to come back and you're going to get to experience the whole context probably in early November now of, of this verse. But if you'll forgive me for today, I'm just going to rip it bleeding from its context and try and apply it to our world today, right? Colossians 3, verses 22 
And I think we've got it all the way to 4.1 in our slides here. Um, let me just start by saying um, there is a word, doulos, in Greek that is one of those words that is translated based on the context. We have tons of those words in English. We, we don't know what they mean if we just look at them on a page, but when we look at the context, we can see exactly what they mean. And this particular word, doulos, is one of those words. It can mean slave, someone ripped from their family, someone forced to do something and live something they did not want to live without any choice in the matter. That, this word can mean that. And for, for us as Americans, with, with our history, oftentimes our, our minds jump to American slavery. It can include that kind of idea. But it also can include two more ideas. It can include the idea of someone who voluntarily enters into uh, a, a relationship of, of bondservant and master for a season, even for life, out of, out of a desire ultimately to be set free or for life as, out of a desire to love and honor and honor. Their master. Isn't that interesting? And, and the writers, or the, the translators of the ESV um, note here that they believe that this is prob- probably the primary meaning. There's a third meaning, and that is just simply to serve. Doulos is to serve someone. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be doulos, right? But to doulos. I'm, I'm using a noun for a verb, but forgive me. Um, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. There is this idea that without entering into a long-term relationship, you can serve. That's what God called us to, beloved, to leave uh, the northern suburbs and to move toward the city and to serve, right? And when we first began in our new context to serve, then we just said, you tell us what we, you need and we will do it. And the school said, well, we need really mundane things. And we said, we will do that. We serve them. And because we serve them, then they open their hearts to us to where now I can go in that. I can walk the halls and prayer walk in the school going classroom by classroom because of your service, because of your love. They have opened the door physically, emotionally, and even spiritually to that uh, amazing church, uh, school, excuse me, but also to the neighborhood. So all that to say right here, I leave it up to you and the Holy Spirit in you to kind of help discern this. But the ESV uh, translators took that middle, that middle road where they said, uh, sometimes we choose to, to become servants of someone because there is a blessing for them and a blessing for us in it. Let me read the scripture for you. Uh, Colossians 3, verses 22 and 24. I'm smiling because people tell me all the time that there's always the sermon before the sermon. And, and thus ends the sermon before the sermon. I apologize. Bond servants. Who's he talking about? Yeah. Bond servants. Obey in everything. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service, right? 
as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now he just brought in he just brought in this incredible dynamic. He's putting in juxtaposition the Lord in your relationship with your employer, in your relationship with those whom you have voluntarily entrusted yourself, whatever you do. The Apostle Paul says, and he says the same thing in the book of Ephesians as well. Whatever you do, ESV translates it, work heartily, literally is work soulfully, suche, David, soulfully, right? As for the Lord and not for men. Remember in the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your all your mind and all your strength, right? And Paul is saying that same thing. He's echoing the Shema. Whatever you do, work soulfully, heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. I said that wrong. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Right? You are serving the Lord Christ. You are serving the Lord Christ, the very Word of God. Well, thank you, God. I pray, Lord, again before you in preparation to literally, God, uh, partake of uh, the grace of the Lord in the communion. Um, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, I didn't say it earlier, but um, uh, happy Labor Day to you. Uh, You know, it's not uh, a time, uh, interestingly enough, for politics. It's not a time for other stuff. It's a time, literally, to take a day. Isn't that interesting? To take a day and to cease your work, right? Today, to... To remember all the people whose labors have not been in vain, right? Who who have prepared the way for us. I mean, I'm just phenomenal. The tools that I've used, uh, even this morning, uh, as I as I came to this building, uh, were stuff that somebody labored over, right? Somebody used their gifts and their talents for that. It's a day of celebration of every kind of work, right? It's not like one kind of work is, is more important than another. It's, it's a celebration of every labor that we do for the right motivation, right? That's not a celebration of every labor because some labors, honestly, uh, honor the evil one and not, and not, not the Lord. But... It's, it's a celebration of honest work and, and, and all of those who've gone before. Even, I, it wasn't, I don't think, because of Labor Day, but, be, but um, as I was standing right here earlier, my phone beeped, I looked at it, and there's 15 pictures of me and my dad. I'm not sure why it picked it up this day. One of them was in his, his uh, it really makes me mad he can still fit in, in his Air Force uniform, right? And um, uh, just... Just a whole uh, album of beautiful pictures. And I just thought, oh, yeah. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for all that you have done. He, he worked hard until he was 72 or 73 
right? So that we might be provided for. So, so happy Labor Day to you, right? And I, I just pray that however you celebrate it, um, we're hoping, we're hoping to get the family together. We got, my wife is not feeling well today, but we're hoping that, um, that we can get together and just picnic and celebrate a day of rest, right? Once a year, our culture sets apart a day where we cease our work, right? <laughs> Probably something's echoing in your mind right now. We'll get to that in a moment because uh, the sweet invitation of God is not to do that once a year. But we'll get there in just a moment, right? For now, can we just start by saying, what is work, right? What is it? Let me just remind you of lessons from past Labor Days where we have where we've opened God's word together, where we've investigated, we've exegeted not only the scripture, but we've also exegeted the culture, right? We've we've tried to understand the culture so we can bring God's word to bear on the culture. What is this thing that we call work? For many people, it is just a job. I cannot tell you the lamentations that uh, I have experienced from from people who worked with someone else who thought it was just a job, right? Just a way to make a buck, right? Why, why has that been particularly hard since COVID? Because what people will do will be that they will work just long enough to get enough money to do what they want to do, and then they will quit, leave everybody else hanging, and, uh, and play until the, work, the money runs out, and then, and then get another job. And for the longest time, that wasn't possible. But since COVID, that has been possible because we're so desperate for people to work. For some people, it is just a job, right? Now, for others, it's different. And I'm privileged in my chaplaincy to to walk beside a lot of people. It's not just a job. It's a career for them, right? It's what they do to make a life now. To make a life with all of it, not just something that has a pension or something so that they'll be taken care of in their old age, but to make their actual day-to-day existence meaningful, right? Uh, It's it's a career, right? Now, Now, the danger in this, and I'm vulnerable to this myself, the danger in this is that our life will be defined by what we do, right? So who are you, Dave? Right. I am. I am a pastor. No, no. Who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't especially. Uh, well, it used to be especially just men were vulnerable to this. But with ever increasing frequency, I'm encountering women who are in the same place. Their identity is in what they do. No, don't. Beloved women, don't give up on us so fast. Right. Because we need to come to where you are. Or where you were. We need to come to that place where we recognize that life is not what we do. It's who we're related to. Right? Which you're so gifted at. So gifted at. Right? Now, it can become an idol just for for you, just like anybody else. Any of these things can become idols. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, right? And and, uh, Keith, uh, just a few days ago, what did it matter for Doyle what he did? Right? What mattered was who was standing with him, right, in his last days. And again, I said it to you on a text, but well done. Well done, brother, for loving your dad to the end. 
It's about relationship, right? It's not about trophies. It's not about certificates. It's not about gold watches. It's not about all those other accoutrements of life. It's about relationships. So women, don't give up on us. What I do see happening a lot is that as men finally go ding, ding, that's what, you know, it's about relationships. Oftentimes we burned our bridges and oftentimes we pass like ships in the night because you're looking for careers, women, and we're looking for relationships. Um, Beloved, beloved, we have to come to a different understanding of work. It's not about a job. It's not about even a career, right? Because what happens when our career ends, right? For many, when their career ends, life as they knew it ends. And I'm going to talk, especially today, like we're all still working, but in the background of this is that many of you and me very soon are retired, right? And what does that mean? And we're going we're gonna to approach that, right? So, so it's not a job. It's not a career. For the follower of Christ, your work is your vocation, right? And, and you can hear it in that your vocalization of who God thinks you are. It's your calling. Do you know that word calling, right? I've shared with you so many times that... Um, Frederick Beekner's definition here, I apologize for sharing it again, but I just love it. It's like my dad telling the same story again, right? I probably told you this two or three times, so saying, I said, Dad, it's more like 20 or 30, but he so enjoys telling the story, right? And we laugh like it's the first time we heard it, not faking the laugh, but we love to hear him tell it, right? right? We love to hear him tell it. Do you remember Dick Hunter? He's a precious man in our congregation. And, um, and he, he loved to tell funny stories, right? Are you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And he would start laughing before he could tell the story, right? And he, and he would be so, he would he'd be laughing so hard at himself he couldn't tell the story. And we'd just start laughing because, you know, it, it, was, it was beautiful. It was it was beautiful, but beloved, the, the sweet invitation of us now is to, is to understand this familiar but really important insight. Of, he was a Presbyterian pastor, Frederick Beekner. He said, vocation or your calling is that place where your greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet, Right? And, and, and we've explored it together before. It means exegeting the culture and discovering what the world's greatest need is. I can say it in one word, right? Jesus. But in order for them to understand that spiritual need, to have that spiritual need met, they've got to have their physical needs met as well. And I'm you guys are so good at that. You're such servant hearts. In myriad ways, you meet people's physical and even emotional needs so that somehow they could come to know Jesus. Vocation is that place where your greatest joy and the world's greatest need meet, Frederick Beekner says. And, and let me just say, um, as a follower of Christ, your work is your vocation. It's never too late to live out of your calling. That just, that just flew over. A lot of heads, right? Um, it's never too late to live 
You've heard me say before, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, that opens a can of worms. Um, but oh, we've got to open that can of worms, right? And this is another one. It's never too late to uh, live out of God's calling in your life. In fact, as I'm prone to say in the nursing communities that I, that I shepherd, um, your best fulfillment of God's calling is still in front of you. It is still in front of you, okay? So it's never too late. So what is work, right? It's not just a job. It's not just a career. It is a calling. It is a calling. But, but let's explore a little further. What is the work of the follower of Christ now, right? What is the work of, as a follower of Christ? I, I was ready to jump right into Colossians, and I just couldn't do it this morning without hitting a couple of other points first. And we are going to get to Colossians, I promise. But your work or your calling is to do the will of God. What is the work of a follower of Christ? To do the will of God. Uh, again, uh, Isaiah 43:1. Thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. So the will of God is the will of the one who created you. I know that's a huge leap for some of you, uh, but, but that's okay. Just, just for a moment, suspend judgment. We do that all the time in movies, right? Suspend judgment. Suspend all those voices that are saying, I don't believe that there is a God who created me, right? I can't even say that. I can't even say that because I've had such a privilege of witnessing the miracle of God from a human perspective as he created in the womb his precious children as they came into the world. But know this for certain. It's the will of he who created you from Isaiah 43. And, and, and when we wandered away from the one who created us, when, when we turned our backs on him, it's also the will of he who redeemed you, Right? should be probably him who redeemed you, but it sounds so awkward to me. It's the will of he who redeemed you as well. But even more, in Isaiah, it's the will of the one who, having fallen away from him, having been redeemed, have now been called back into, into service of God, Right? I'm, I'm smiling here because just uh, as we prayed for our Kairos team, uh, there was a son of Olivet who's had one of the most incredible, incredibly difficult journeys um, of anyone I've ever met. I, I will not shock you by, by some of the things that he has experienced, right? But, but in the midst of all that difficulty, a family... Of all of that, took him in, right? Literally, took him in. Later, they would take in his son, right? Uh, they literally took him in, and they believed in him. They held him accountable. They loved him when he fell away. They they loved him and invited him back. And he was a spiritual director on that weekend. He 
He was the spiritual director on that weekend. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, right? We're never beyond the mercy and the grace of God. But God invites us into that process of someone experiencing that mercy and grace, right? It's the will of the one who created you. It's the will of the one who redeemed you. It's the will of the one who called you. And I love this, by name, right, lest there be any confusion, who calls us by name. But it's also, and here's where I'm going to turn a corner with you, it's also the will of the one who sent you. Who sent you. What am I talking about? John 6, uh, 38, Jesus describes his own calling, right? He says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, right? We're talking about the will here. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Wow. So Jesus came to earth because he was sent by his heavenly Father, right? Now look again, John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. Oh my goodness, we could camp there. Peace be with you, right? As the Father has sent me, even so I, Jesus, now am sending you, right? Look how he did that. Remember last week? Look how he did that. Peace be with you. My question is, does the peace land with you? Or does it return to Jesus? If you weren't with us last week, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Are you a peacemaker is what I'm asking, right? Because Jesus floats that idea. And for those who will receive his peace, he then says, I got ministry I've got work for you to do, right? I am sending you. I am sending you. Wow. Wow. So so the first thing, what is the work of a follower of Christ? The first thing is to do the will of God, right? But, but we start to learn what that will is. Your work or your calling is also to worship. To worship, right? But the hour is coming, he says in John 4, and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Look at this. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Well, another time, we'll go deeper into that. In spirit, what does it look like to worship in spirit and in truth? But know this for certain, that God, the will of God is that you would worship Please don't misunderstand. Uh, I am so grateful for the opportunity to spend one hour a week with you, right? But, but this is not what he had in mind when he said worshipers, right? He had in mind people who would worship wherever they are, right? Who would, because why, you, you, have you heard of worship evangelism? When someone when someone sees a heart that is genuinely honoring God, that is genuinely worshiping God, they say, I can have that kind of relationship with God too. Right? I'm tired of, of trying to live for myself. I'm, try, I'm tired of playing God. Right? And I want, I want to worship something that is greater than I. Right? So, so um, God's the work of a follower of Christ is to do the will of God, but it's also to worship. It's so interesting. If, if you're a wordsmith or whatever you, you love, um, the word liturgy 
which, which we think of as our order of service, but actually means service or work, right, for God. Um, the, the word liturgy is the word for worship, and it means work or service. So all these things are intimately tied together. Worship is not something we do between 9 and 10 and 10 on, on Sunday mornings, right? It's, it's something we're called to 24-7, including that place where we spend the bulk of our waking hours for decades at a time, uh, the workplace, right? The workplace. So your work or your calling is to work. Uh, Gordon Dahl said it uh, 50 years ago. And I remember when I heard it for the very first time, I don't know anything about Gordon. I don't know if he's walking with the Lord now. I know that when he was commenting in 1972 on our American culture, he said, we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. Wow. Wow. We work, right? We work at We worship our work. We work at our play. And we play at our worship. (laughs) Your your calling is to do the will of God. Your calling is to worship. But your calling also is uh, uh, to make disciples who make disciples, right? In whatever you do, Jesus said in that great co-mission where he identified with us and committed himself with us. I will be with you right to the very end of the age, he says. In that great commission, he says, whatever you do, make disciples, fully devoted followers of all people groups, right? So work matters. A couple blanks there. I'll sneak by you if you're not paying attention. Work matters, right? How do I know? Does God's will that's a question for you. Does God's will for you ever cease? Does it? No, it doesn't, right? Will the worship of God ever cease? Will it? Well, wait a second, Pastor Jay. What happened? Oh, not only will we continue worshiping, but we'll have responsibilities. There is activity in the kingdom of God. Research it, right? The worship of God will never cease so If God's will never ceases, if worship never ceases, does the calling of God on your life ever cease? Does it? I got a lot quieter. You guys smell a rat, don't you? Either you're looking at the notes and you see this coming, uh, or or, um, you're on to me some way or another. Let me ask again. Does the calling of God on your life ever cease? Does it? It doesn't, right? So let me just... Pause for a second. This is, I'm deep in this, right? Because I'm anticipating where many of you already are. I'm anticipating retirement somewhere in the future, right? A word for a second about retirement, and that is that there's no word about retirement in the Bible, right? Wait, Pastor, didn't you always talk about numbers eight and, and when you're 50, let the other people do the work and all that kind of thing? Um, he says, don't stop working in that Numbers 8 passage, right? He, he's, keep, just, just let younger people engage in it too, right? By the way, that work that they did was really heavy work. They were carrying the whole tabernacle wherever they went. This thing was heavy. It was hard work. Um, no, 
No, your, your work might change. Your work might change, but it never ceases. There's no biblical word for retirement. And if, if anybody in their travels and God's word has come across that idea, um, let me know. Just let me know that I'm armed for, let you know that I'm armed for bear, right? Because what age did Moses do his greatest work? I heard it, I think. 80. Yeah. Wow. Right? Uh, uh, now, Moses is a different, different calling, a different kind of leadership. But, but there's not a time, beloved, when, when God is done. There's not a time. Even when, like me, you're beginning to feel the effects of, of longevity of life, right? Um, there's not a time uh, when God puts you on a shelf and says, thanks, I'll take it from here, right? This is, this is covenant relationship. This is a partnership, right? Tammy, there's not a time when you say to Bobby, you know, okay, okay, we're done uh, now, right? Uh, this is a covenant relationship, right? I, I think I just caused a problem. And no, not at all. Um, our relationship with God is exactly the same, right? It's exactly the same. It's a covenant relationship. And that covenant is till what? Do us part, right? Yeah. Um, so, so come on up, worship team, if you would. Um, there's no biblical word for retirement, but there is a biblical word for Sabbath. I won't hop on that hobby horse again, but know that for certain. There is a biblical word for sabbatical, that once every seven years you cease your working, right? This is not a one day a year thing because of a hallmark holiday, it's much more important than that. I didn't mean to minimize it. But, but it's not one day a year. It's one day a week. And then one year out of seven. And then it might not be familiar to you, but there's a third concept called jubilee, right? That is, uh, that is when you take not only a sabbatical year, but then, uh, and then another year you cease striving so that you can recovenant with the Lord and live into his purposes for the rest of your life. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of models for retirement in our culture, and most of them are not biblical. They're not biblical, right? So how shall we then work, right? Sounds like Francis Schaeffer, doesn't it? How shall we then live? How shall we then work? Bond servants, Paul said. People who've chosen to entrust themselves to their masters, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be in the family, whether that be, that be in the community or, or even in the, in the faith community, the church, obey in everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by way of, of eye service, right? We know lip service. Don't do it just to look good. Because inevitably, when you do something just to look good, when your guard is down, who you really are will come out, right? No, don't do it as people pleasers, he says, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So let me just summarize for a second, if I could. And, and as you go into God's Word, you will find so much more. In fact, right after the service, there's a couple of places where... Um, where people will be going deep into this word. Uh, rooms 201 and 202, adult Sunday school classes where people are going deep into God's word, in this passage in particular, right? But let me just summarize a couple things. 
How shall we then work in humble submission to those in authority over us? Right? To those in authority over us. In the companies that I chaplain, I see this. I see people grousing and complaining about their leadership rather than helping their leaders become better, right? Rather than helping those who God put in authority over them to to get better. So he gives us another way. It's called obedience, which is humble submission, right? Humble submission. But he says not only do it humbly in submission, but do it also with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Right? Put all your energies into this. Now, now I pulled those four words out of the Shema, but they're right there in Colossians. Paul just said them differently, soulfully, heartily, right? Do it with all that you are and all that you have and all that you say, right? Wow. Wow. What in the world is going to enable me to do that? Uh, And again, I I spend a lot of time with leaders in these different companies. And honestly, oh, they're a mess. They don't deserve that kind of submission and loyalty in and of themselves. So what is the secret, Paul says, to to working like they deserved it, right? The secret, he says, is not for them, right? Don't do it for them. Do it for the Lord, right? Rather than people. Do it for the Lord. You remember Brother Andrew? We've talked about him so many times. He was a a monk. He was a dishwasher, right? And he was so resentful of the other monks who who had what he perceived to be better jobs. And then one day, this verse just dawned on him, right? God, I can wash dishes in the name of Jesus, right? And, and, and that act of humble submission, submission, in this case to his abbot and also to his community, and that act of humble became a thing of worship for him. And all of a sudden, he was worshiping at work. Isn't that crazy? Now, worship isn't one hour a week or even a half hour that morning in quiet time, it is, it is a full-time job, right? Let me just end with this. That um, there's a difference between... <laughs> a couple of people in the back are going, yes, yes, he's ending. Um, there's a difference between... Seeing your work as a slave and seeing your work as a child of God, right? Slaves don't get, they don't get an inheritance. They don't get, there, there is a bondservant, and sometimes as we saw a couple of weeks ago in Luke, make me as one of your paid servants, right? There is a paid servanthood, but, but there's no inheritance, right? And we got a box. Do you remember Carlos and Doris, those of you who've known me for a long time? My cousins that lived up in Ann Arbor, we loved them and cared for them. Passed away many years ago. We got a box in the mail. And um, and in that box were 30-year-old expired um, insurance policies. 
And then, and then these little treasures, these little treasures, was such a powerful moment. For years, you've wondered why I have two wedding bands on, right? For, you saw one. One's, this one's from Karen. The other one was for, was for my kids. They, they made vows to remain pure to the Lord. And we gave them little rings when they did that, right? And at that time, I got a ring, and I put their initials on it. And for about 20-some years since I did that, I've been wearing that ring. But, but God honored that. It's great to have you guys with us, Barbara and Kip, today, because we're so grateful for your son, right? And Jordan is a reflection. Like you are a reflection of your Heavenly Father, Jordan is a reflection of not only his Heavenly Father, but also you. And he is an answer to prayer. And Alyssa is an answer to prayer. And, and we're so, so grateful for Truman most recently, an answer to prayer, right? But, but the ring no longer had any meaning. And so in this box came another ring. And I'm wearing it on my hand today. And uh, I don't know if I can get it off because my hands are all swollen. But I have to trust me. It, it, it has the initials of Doris. It has the initials of Carlos. It has the date of their wedding. This was Carlos's wedding band when he made that covenant. I was teasing you about Tammy. When he made that covenant, what a privilege to inherit so precious a gift. And let me just summarize by saying this is nothing compared to the inheritance that awaits you in the kingdom of God. Right? You, you're not a slave. You're a child of God. How do we, how do we symbolize that? In, in an act of worship like this, we do it by coming to the table of the Lord, right? Because slaves didn't come to the table. Children did, right? And, and in just a few moments, we're going to have a chance to share in the Lord's Supper. A small but incredibly significant, right, symbol of your relationship with the living God. So in preparation for that, I invite you one more time. Let the Holy Spirit examine your heart, if anything, is between you and Him. Or if you've come to that place now where for the very first time you recognize that you do believe, you want this Master, you want Jesus to be Lord over your life, and you can just simply say, with those of us who've said it over the last four, five, six decades, Lord, I ask Your forgiveness. I have, I have lived for myself all my life, God. And, and I realize now the bankruptcy of that. I don't want to be a slave to the world, to my own flesh, or even to you, God. I want to be your precious daughter. I want to be your precious son. So God, meet me. Would you at this table... I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe, God, you validated everything you said and did by raising him from the dead. And right now he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for me, even as I pray to you, God. So God, be honored and glorified as we share 
this meal with you today.